Okay. All right. We're blessed to have our first message uh, brought to us by Mr. David Hope, entitled, Are You Convinced of Your Calling? Thank you, Mr. Steele, and good afternoon, everyone. A beautiful Sabbath afternoon. You know, we finally, some of us got a little bit of rain this week, and uh, according to the, my sources, that parts of Oklahoma really hadn't had even a quarter inch of rain in 90-some days, and we're, we're pretty close. And there was a new, there was a bulletin out in uh, New Mexico. I lived in New Mexico when I was in high school, so uh, anyway, but we're really similar to that here in Oklahoma, maybe a little worse. But how dry is it in Oklahoma, New Mexico? It's so dry that the Baptists are starting to baptize by sprinkling. The Methodists are using wet wipes. I hope I don't offend anybody. But <laughs> Presbyterians are giving out rain checks. And the Catholics are praying for the wine to turn back into water. Anyway, so whatever that's worth. I was, my motivation for giving this message today was primarily because of last week's two messages we had, Matthew Still and, and Mr. Sean Whit. And uh, I, parts of it I really hated. I, I said I will never do, but I will. But the first one-third of it is one that I gave a few years back. I don't remember how, I couldn't find my notes on it, so it's been a while. I know some of you have heard that, and I hope I don't bore you. But uh, anyway, I'm going to give in. I'll try to get through it a little quicker. But I, I feel like it's important for the entirety of the message. Uh, anyway, Matthew's uh, message last week was, uh, uh, was that hearing God? And uh, Mr. Whit was about paying attention. But anyway, Matthew indicated that and his message, and, and it's available if you want to check him out online with the Tulsa Church of God. And somewhere or another, my wife can get some of that stuff with the smart TV we bought. I don't know how we do it, you know. We, anyway, it's, but uh, Matthew indicated that God talks to the little ones like you and me, not just the prophets itself, but God inspires and talks with and works with the little people like us. And like I said, I hesitated to give this message for years, or at least the latter uh, two-thirds of it. People would think, well, yeah, you're just blowing your horn, David. Some might say, yeah, well, you want, more, you want people to think more highly of you than you should. Well, this has been, part of this, most of this has been about 60 years ago, so, you know, I didn't come to anything. You know, I'm still a little guy. You know, I'm just a country boy like most of us, some of us. Some would say that I want a following. That's the furthest thing from my mind to get a following. I know what it's like. Some would think that I'm crazy. <laughs> and my wife would vouch for that. <laughs> anyway, on and on and on. But today I'm going to confirm some of the things that Matthew said last week. Things I'm going to speak about absolutely confirm in my mind. Without a doubt, 
there is a spiritual realm out there somewhere other than just the human beings that we have are right now. You know, there, there's something that, that, that we can get in contact with either voluntarily or involuntarily. Things will happen. I know that. I feel that. I, without, and is it Bible? Well, anyway. But anyway, but I, I do feel that that spiritual essence out there communicates in different ways to different ones of us. The first part of the message, and some of you uh, I know will say that I've heard it before, and, and it was about deja vu. Do, do most of you know what deja vu is? You know, Have any of you ever experienced that in your life? Some people have, some people never have, just like some people have never uh, had the adrenaline rush where they could do supernatural things. Some people have. Uh, I had uh, some deja vu, and let me give you the uh, dictionary version of it. Deja vu is a French word, a feeling of having already experienced the present situation. And when you have that, you know, sometimes it just makes you stop. It just stops you in your tracks. You think, what's next? But nothing happens. I had that probably a couple of times in, until I was about 17 years old. And, uh, uh, then, anyway, I was still in high school. Well, I graduated in 1961, and uh, I hitchhiked back to New Mexico uh, where my wife was, and I went to work in Colorado drilling water wells with my brother-in-law. Some of you have heard that. And once in a while, like I said, I had not had any, I was 18 at the time, and I, I'd had only two versions of, in my life up until that time, and I began to get some. And I thought nothing of it because it happened before. Well, a few days later, it would come back, I'd get something else, you know, somebody do something, certain situations would be, and anyway, but it got to where it was really prevalent. I mean, it wasn't just a, a here and now situation. It was a, a, a very ongoing thing to the point I was really concerned. And anyway, um, like I said, I was in Colorado, up around Twin Lakes, Colorado, Leadville, Climax, and that area up there. And uh, my sister-in-law was pregnant, and I was staying with them. Actually, I was renting a little cabin behind, a little log cabin behind their house. And uh, she was pregnant. She already had two little small children. And we went down to New Mexico, Aztec, New Mexico, to get my wife, Fran, to come up and help Judy to, you know, while she was... Uh, taking care of the babies and all that. Well, in the evening time, uh, we'd get babies all to bed, and we'd start playing some board games. It got to the point in those board games and, and in between those times that this deja vu would be popping its head up. It got to the point, you know, most of you probably have seen movies more than one time, and you can say, well, here comes John Wayne, he's doing his thing, you know, and you, you know what he's going to do. And then you know what the other thing's going to do. I could read those things. I knew what was going to happen before it happened. And it got so strong, I was seriously scared. 
because what happened when I had it before, before we went down to get my wife, uh, it, it built up to a point where uh, I nearly lost my life, nearly lost my legs, my feet or something. I was very, very fortunate that my, I was up on part of the rig there and I shouldn't get in too much territory, cause, I mean, because I don't want to have to cut out the end. But the thing got kicked in gear accidentally and this arm, it was a cable tool rig, if any of you know what a cable tool rig is, Steve knows what they are. And this was an old version of it. And that thing goes up and down 52 times a minute. I mean, yeah, a minute. 52, no, yeah, 52 times a minute, almost uh, once a second. And I was so lucky, but it did tear off my steel-toed shoes I had. It ripped them off of my feet. Well, the deja vu left. Then when we went down and got my wife, and a few days later, it came back. And that's when it came back really, really bad. It, it wasn't, I mentioned the part about the uh, uh, board game. That was after my wife went up there. And I was so bad. My wife knows that. She'll test to that. And we got alone after we played our game and went outside. And I cried. I was, I was scared. I thought, if it was that bad before, and, and, and what I had, what's it going to be about this time? What's it going to be like? And I actually, first time I ever got on my knees to pray, I prayed all the time. But, you know, my wife and I got on our knees and prayed. And the next day, we were drilling a, a test hole for a mining company on the side of a mountain up there close to Leadville, Colorado. And the sun, we were facing the south, and the sun was in my eyes. My brother-in-law said, we've got a hard hat up there in the cabin, uh, uh, the cab of the truck, go get it. So I went and got that. First time ever, all summer long, I'd had that hard hat on, a little aluminum type. And probably about mid-morning, about 10 o'clock or so, something happened. Hit me in the head, went down, hit me in the foot, and knocked my helmet all the way down my head, I mean, my, down in front of the cab of the truck. And... Uh, it was a huge, it was part of the crown shiv up here, the pulley. It went through broken tune. It was close to inch and a half to two inch diameter and about six inches long. I kept the thing. I had it in my mother's house for years. And, and uh, But had I not had that hard hat on, it would have hit me right up here in the, where maybe I had a brain. But uh, I, I really feel that it was probably killed me. And I realized, you know, there's something here somewhere. I didn't know what it was. You know, 18-year-old kid, I didn't know what to go on. Well, you quit. And I really have not ever had deja vu since then. And uh, maybe one time little thing, but I don't know. I, I can't, it's no big deal. But uh, end of the summer, my wife and I got married. We'd been married for about a year. Lived in Tulsa at that time. Cause came back to Oklahoma where my folks were. And... Uh, Make sure I don't get too far away. Uh, anyway, uh, I was working the night shift at a galvanizing plant out in West Tulsa, and I uh, went to work at 4.30 4 in the evening, I think, and got off at midnight. And uh, one morning uh, for breakfast, and I'd get up around 9, 10 o'clock because I had to go back to work that evening, and I told my wife about this 
really peculiar dream, very, very vivid, very vivid dream. And the dream was I was, there was a, the setting was at the edge of a, of a uh, little forest, small trees and stuff out here. Then back from where we came from, then back to the right, there was a, a little wooden bridge, a real, real nice little wooden bridge, you know, walk bridge that you walk over, and then there was a big castle complex over there, which in the dream, it, it was supposed to have been heaven or the kingdom of God or whatever. And there, I was in a line, and there were three or four people ahead of me, and there was a big, huge boulder out here, you know, I don't know how tall it was. It was, you know, probably six or seven feet tall, big boulder. And the people, the person in line would be given a little stone, and, I, and, and they treated it like a dice, you know, you throw it up against that big boulder, you know, and Jesus would get the thing and look at it, move around a little bit, said, yeah, you're ready, go on in. So, you know, then next would come up, rolled his, it wasn't a dice, but there wasn't anything on it. And he said, yeah, you're ready, go on in. And I looked back, and I could see people, you know, ever, however they were staggered going across that bridge, you know, I guess they, they had it made, they were going into heaven or something. And it come to my turn, and I threw it up there, and I was, you know, I thought, boy, I'm going to go to heaven, or wherever it is, you know, God's kingdom. And uh, he looked at it, and he paused. I said, uh-oh, uh-oh, and he looked around there, and he held it up like that, you know, and he said, no, you're not ready. Come back in three days, and you'll be ready. And, you know, and I thought, well, yeah, I'm going to die and go to heaven. That's okay, you know, just a dream. And I told my wife about it, like I said, for breakfast. A little bit before I went to work, before I left, she showed me a Bible scripture that had something that she thought was similar to that, even though the context might not have been the same. But she read, gave, showed me a scripture, and I had never seen it. I'd never seen it. I mean, just, um, let me see where I'm at now. I shouldn't even have to read my notes because I know what I'm talking about. But anyway, the, the job I had was, was, was a very dangerous job anyway. I was running one of these big overhead cranes that you w walk behind, you know. I mean, you walk down with this cord up here, and it goes north and south, east and west, and up and down, and you can do two or three of them at the same time. And uh, unloading trucks and moving heavy steel around, and, and it's very dangerous, very dangerous. You know, you can get hurt very easy. And uh, when I went to work, I was on pins and needles. I was, you know, thought, wow, you know, this is in the Bible, you know, and I've got three days. You know, what kind of a person am I, you know? I think, well, I'm a fairly good guy, but, you know, I've got a lot of sins. I used to drink a lot when I was in high school. And, uh, you know, I, uh, you know, and I cussed a little, and maybe I stole a thing or so, but, uh, you know, I, I was on pins and needles, and every night, I, whew, two more days to go. And the last night, we were hooked on, and I had a real good swamper on the truck. He was an older man, and up in his late 50s, and he knew how to hook on the stuff, you know, especially pipe, you know, because pipe can scatter on you. And we had some uh, uh, fabricated pipe, 
and wire came in down on one end and it just scattered and boy I dropped that box and jumped over a pile of steel and went on. And, but anyway, long story short, uh, three nights and I made it. You know, wow, I made it. And, uh, but I did, it did make me examine myself and, and uh, I think it made me a better person. I did, you know, I was trying to, to do better. And, uh, uh, let me go ahead. But anyway, I'm going to I'm going to read the uh, scripture that that my wife gave me, and I, I'm going to read a little bit before and a little bit behind. And most of you, if you're familiar with uh, uh, Jesus telling uh, John in Revelation about giving a message to the seven churches, and I'm breaking in on the end of one, I think it was Smyrna, and Revelation 2 verse 11 through 17. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. He that overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Familiar. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things, says he that hath the sword with two edges, I know your works and where you dwell, even where Satan's seat is, and you hold fast my name, and you have not denied the faith. Even in those days wherein Antipathus, my faithful martyr, was slain among you where Satan dwells. Verse 14, but I have a few things against you because you have there them that hold the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And that's some Old Testament stuff. To eat things, sacrifice to idols, and commit fornication. We're getting closer. So have you also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Nicolaitans which I hate. Repent or else I will come quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Here's the verse that, that she really pinpointed. He that has an ear to hear, or hear, let him hear what the Spirit says unto the churches. So all of the churches, you know, we listen to it, not just one church, but all of them. To him that overcomes will I give to eat the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone. That, you know, what's intimidating about that? And in the white stone a new name, which no man knows, saving he that receives it. Well, I was, I was convinced that somewhere or another, my brain, out of all of the stuff in the Bible, came up with these two words, with all of the words that's in the Bible, but I didn't get the big head about it. I just thought, this is really a coincidental thing, you know. And so I believed that for a long time. I believed that... Uh, you know, I, I, I say, you know, I know that there's something outside of this little, this, this physical human being I am. You know, I had that deja vu, and I can't explain it any other way except for that something out there, whether good or bad, gave me some information. And I believed that all the way until I've been after the, in the church for a while. So about 35 or 40 years later, I don't know exactly when, I was preparing a message for here, and you know uh, a lot of the doctrines of some of the churches. Peter was the primacy, you know. He was the head of head apostle, and you know he was the first pope and all that. And uh, they use the, the word, you know, you're Peter upon this rock. I'll build my church and all that, you know. And uh, that that's fine. But while I was doing that study, I came across this word when I was looking for rock, stone, boulders, you know, and all that, but 
But if you're familiar with the situation, uh, Jesus was told Peter, he says, you're a rock, you're Peter, you know, which the rock that he's talking about is sp uh, spelled R-O-C-K in, in our language, in English, but in the Greek, it was Petros, P-E-T-R-O-S, which means a small rock, you know, just a little piece of it. And then he, and we're surmising it, he pointed to himself, upon this rock, this Petra, P-E-T-R-A, this huge rock, I will build my church. And that's, and, and I would just basically uh, preparing that, and I decided to look at some other stuff, and I've uh, researched stuff, and a lot of you do too, where you look at some of the words, you know, the Greek and Hebrew and Old Testament, New Testament, and, and find out the exact meaning, and, you know, I've covered this before in some messages, but uh, the word here, the white stone, is only mentioned twice in the whole Bible. Two of those times is in that same verse. One time, and I'll get to that in a little bit, is over an Acts. But and I'm, I'm going to give you, and my computer is good enough, my printer, I, it's, it's really screwed up. But anyway, it, it was good enough to me. I didn't have to write it all out on this time. But uh, the white stone is, the stone is, uh, my Greek and my pronunciation, or pronunciation is bad, P-S-A-Y uh, accent dash F-O-S, or whatever, from the same as the New Testament word 5848, and that's only two numbers different. A lot of times, you know, one word will be kind of an offtake of another and all that, you know this stuff. But the meaning is a pebble as worn smooth by handling, I, by implication of use, a counter or ballot, a verdict of acquittal, of acquittal or a ticket of admission, a vote, and then the English words that it is is stone and voice. You know, that, that same Greek letter, 58 or 5586, is stone or voice. And it's from, like I mentioned, uh, from another word, uh, uh, 5584, which is only two numbers back, and it's really easy if you're in a strong or something like that to find that. And, and it has some word that's pronounced P-S-A-Y dash L-A-F-A-H accent dash O from the base of 5567 50, which uh, it's not that close anyway but uh, some of the possible meanings there is to manipulate verify by contact to search for then the English words that will be in the Bible will be feel after handle and touch so I decided to do some things and uh, just to see, well, yeah, you know, that really sounds a lot like the context of my dream, you know, even though it doesn't say that. But I, I counted them out. So in the first one, pephos or whatever it is, a pebble, as in a mine, in a deal, that nice thing was a pebble, worn smooth by handling. You know, Jesus handled that for centuries, I guess, you know by implication of use as a counter or a ballot, and that was two, a verdict. So in three days, I come back and I get the verdict. You know, how much, that, that's definitely in the context of my perception of, of that dream. Of acquittal, another one, four. So when I come back in three days, I'm hoping I get an acquittal. 
a ticket of admission. Yeah, you know, you see these people going, they've got, they've got the ability to go a vote, so stone of voice. Then the other word that, that that's branched off of, P-S-A-Y-L-A-F-A-H, uh, number, <coughs> excuse me, 5586, is to manipulate, you know, and, and, and he did, you know, that's one of the things. You say, if you want to get a little radical and say, well, you know, yeah, he, he manipulated, and hardly it's worn smooth by handling, to verify by contact. It wasn't like, well, yeah, you got a seven going in. Of course, there wasn't anything on it, but he had to look at it to manipulate it to see what it was by contact, figuratively, to search for. Then the English letter words is feel after, handle, touch. So, like I said, I was convinced, you know, back in well, 1962 or so, that that dream had some kind of a meaning. But 35 or 40 years later, maybe I was beginning to get lukewarm, like the latest sins talked about in there. Maybe, I, maybe I don't know, but it, it really revealed to me. I mean, just put the capstone on all of the rest of that. There's no doubt in my mind, period, whether that, that all of us, some way or another, have the ability that God has or will get us. You know, he may do you totally different, totally different. But I, most of the commentaries, nobody really knows exactly what it means. I got one that, that uh, uh, come pretty close, and I think this one is Barnes Notes. And, and I'm going to read that. I've got enough time to do that. And I will give him a white stone. Oh, that's the one that is keying on. There has been a great variety of opinion regarding the meaning of this expression. And almost two... Oh, and... There we go, I'm getting ahead. And almost no two ex experiments, anyway, researchers agree. No two of them really agree with that. Illustrations of its meaning have been sought from Greek, Hebrew, and Roman customs, but none of these, okay, but none of these have removed the difficulty of the expression. So, you know, nobody really knows for sure. The general sense of language seems plain, even though the illusion on which it is formed or founded is obscure or even unknown. So nobody really knows for sure. It is that the Savior would give him, give him who overcame a token of his favor, which would have some word or name inscribed on it, and which would be, and listen to this, which would be of use to him alone. Anybody I've ever told this, and I don't tell very many people this because, you know, they already look at me uh, kind of weird. I do a Sabbath, these holy days, you know, and I, I believe in all that, so, you know. I don't tell too many people that, and I hesitated so long to even ever mention it in church for the wrong reasons. But Matthew inspired me last week, you know, because some of the stuff he said, and I think you take his message and take my message, take Sean Witt's message last week, and probably Barnabas Grayson is going to be speaking after me. You know there's something there, and, and, and I could go on and on about some of the messages that we've given so that uh, three of them at the same week uh, uh, Matthew Steele, Lawrence Gregory, and myself spoke about the same topic. We've, we've covered it differently, but anyway, n n I'm, I'm killing time. I'm sorry. I've got to get out of here. Uh, and which would be of use, of use to him alone. 
are intelligible to him only. Nobody agrees with me, and nobody disagreed either, but that is some secret token which would make him sure of the favor of his Redeemer. I'm sure that my Redeemer, I'm sure my Redeemer, you know, opened my hard head and convinced me and, you know, whatever I do to it, it's my business. And it don't make me anything. It just convinces me personally. And which would be unknown to other people. And I don't think anybody's going to come up and read that same thing and come up with what, what it did in my case, you know. The idea here would, would find a correspondence in the evidences of his favor granted to the soul of the Christian himself in the pledge of heaven, which, you know, we're not, we're, we don't believe we're necessarily going to heaven right away. But anyway, uh, kingdom of God, in the plans of heaven, thus made to him, and which he would understand, but which no one else would understand. So nobody, even my kids, they, they're not, oh, Dad, oh, you're just so great. You're so, such, such a spiritual person, you know. That makes me just want to sell my house and go out and go to something. But anyway, uh, I'm convinced, I'm very convinced, and I've got a few scriptures, and if you're going to preach from the pulpit, you really should have a scripture <laughs> out of the Bible. Oh, I did read the Bible, didn't I? Okay. Uh, if you turn with me to Acts 26, chapter, verse 9 through 11, and this is where uh, Paul was talking, Apostle Paul, and this is the only other place that that particular, those two words are mentioned in the Bible, all the Bible. Acts 26, 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. 10. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints did I shut up in prison. Paul was merciless to them, having received authority from the chief priest, and when they were put to death, I gave my white stone. Does your, does your Bible say that, the white stone? Well, the Greek word is the same word. It says, And when they were put to death, I gave my voice. That's one of the words that that is, voice. Paul gave his white stone, and, and uh, some of the unions and people will, will still use white and black stones for approval, not approval. Ken could probably tell you that. And... Uh, Anyway, in verse 11, I punish them often in every synagogue and compel them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even to strange cities. There's another example. It doesn't have those words there, but it, it uh, similar in meaning when Paul was uh, right after, I think after he was uh, healed of his blindness. I'll go ahead and read it. I'm going to be a minute or so over anyway. Uh, and I said, talking about Paul, I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned and beat, every sin beat in every synagogue them that believed on you. And when the blood of the, your martyr Stephen was shed, I also standing by and consenting to his death. So he could say, I gave my white stone, but he was consenting. That's what the white stone meant. And kept the remnant of them that slew him. So basically, and... In conclusion, as Matthew still said last week in his message, 
about God communicates with the plain folks like we, like we are. He communicates us one way or another, maybe differently, but he communicates, and not just the prophet. And I'm not a prophet, never will be, never, never have been. Uh, and I'm not a pro- an apostle. I know that many of you have a story. I know that many of you. There's stories right here that I could just uh, mention right offhand. As Sean Whit said last week, pay attention. And I'll just give you just a brief deal that uh, maybe maybe some of these people will mention their their testimonial. I guess you say, Ken Barton and Glenda's got some that really good uh, about show me a sign. Some of you probably have heard that. I, I love that one. And Barnabas Grayson's got one. I don't want to get in steal his thunder, but it, oh, it's it's amazing what what Barnabas did. If I had the situation he had, you talk about having faith. I would have faith, and I don't know what how God is working with you in your life and how He will work. But I know, I've, I, at the bottom of my heart, I know that there is a God out there that's in tune with you, with me, and uh, anyway, have a great Sabbath.